Hey, good morning. Welcome to Love Songs. I hope you're having a great time at New Spring Church. Our second service last night was awesome, and I, I just have enjoyed everything that's happened. I love, love everything going on on stage up here, all the music, and then the little R&B number. Finally, my genre. I love that. Um, we're we're going to be talking today about a, a subject that just scares the living daylights out of me, okay? So I'm totally intimidated standing on stage, and, and I've always been whenever I have to talk about this topic. If, if you're brand new, a series is called Love Songs, and it's about man-woman relationships. And like we talked about last week, we're trying to find a we're trying to find out about that love that lasts forever. Not the you know, two-year kind of love or five-year installment or whatever, even though I sure don't mean to, to denigrate anybody's situation that didn't work out, but you understand our quest. We're trying to get to the love that lasts forever and learn about what it, what it means and what it takes because I just really don't believe we're getting these messages from our culture anymore. You know, you know 70, 80 years ago, it was just sort of expected. There were certain things that were just sort of communicated in life and that really helped people with relationships. But today, it's like all the wheels are falling off. So here at New Spring, we're headed back to the Bible. We're headed back to looking at what God has to say about what it takes to have the kind of relationship that lasts forever. Well, last week, we were talking to guys. And I, I really have no trouble talking to guys. I mean, because first of all, I am a guy. I understand guys. And plus, I just, I'm not intimidated talking to guys. Talking to women scares me to death. Uh, because obviously I'm not a woman, and then beyond that too, I just don't know that there's a man alive who knows how women think. Men and women are just tuned to different keys. Let me give you an example. You know, I, I meet sometimes with groups when I'm prepping for a message because I want to hear sometimes from a particular group, get their insights and perspectives. So as I got ready to talk to men last week about loving their wives, because the Bible says husbands love your wives. I met with like 12 or 13 women in a room and um, just asked questions. You know, what makes you feel loved? What makes you not feel loved? You know, questions like that. And, and I got a lot of responses from women. It really helped me for last week's message. Well, this last week, I met with 12 guys. And in many cases, it was the other half of the marriage that I had talked to the previous week. And it was just eye-opening. You know, I'm, I'm very accustomed to talking to men and women about the differences between men and women. That's what, I, what I've done for years. But I was still amazed talking to the gals and then talking to the guys. And, and these are great marriages. These are way above average marriages. Some have been married for like a few months. Some have been married for like 35 years. It was so, so interesting to listen to both of them, and I thought I would give $100 if I could have had, when the, when the gals were talking, if I could have had the guys in the amphitheater where they could have watched their wives talk, and I'd have given $1,000 if I could have had the, guy, the gals watching when the guys talk. Because see, here's the deal. You know, when um, my meeting was at 7 o'clock, and with the guys, and I told Mary Alice, I'll be home 7.45. I said, you know, guys won't talk. They just grunt. Mm, yeah. Mm. I, couldn't have been, I couldn't have been more wrong. Because these were guys from like all cross sections of life and all ages and stuff. But they really opened up. And, and here's the thing. Gals, I, I'm not really even into my talk yet right now, which is always scary when you look at your clock and the guy's just rambling on stage and you know he's not getting anywhere yet. Um, I, here's, here's the thing that amazed me. I think in our culture today, there's a myth. And it's believed, I think, just about by everybody, but it's, so, it's a myth of mammoth proportions. The myth is this. Women are emotional. Guys are not emotional. That is a million miles away from the truth. 
Guys are emotional. They're just not good at expressing their emotions. And I think sometimes women say, well, he's just so shallow emotionally. He only cares about one thing. Or, you know, it's just, he, he doesn't really tap into my emotions. I think men struggle with that because they're just tuned to a different key. But men have deep, very deep, very complex emotions. And so in these first two talks and love songs, what I wanted to do is I just wanted to, to, to talk to guys last week, and I want to talk to women today about what's really important and the most important factor in having a forever kind of love. I didn't come up with this. This is as old as the Bible. In Scripture, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, the Bible gets it down to one thing. And I've told you this many times. Being ADD, I just love it when God gets it down to one thing. Give me a list, you just lost me, especially a list of over six items, okay? But uh, God gets it to one thing. Husbands, we've talked about this last week, love your wives. And and love there, there doesn't mean what love means in our culture today, because love primarily means sex. You know, if you hear a song about love, it's a song about sex. Or it could be, if it's a higher level song, it could be a song about romance. But God didn't use the word for either sex or romance when he tells guys to love their wives. He used a word that means sacrificial love. In fact, probably if we were going to use more current language, more contemporary language, what God is saying is, guys, give it up for your wife. Give it up for your wife. It's really important because I get asked this question a whole lot. Well, how can I love my wife if she's not lovable? Well, here's the thing. It helps, ladies, if you are lovable. But God tells guys to love their wives whether lovable or not. And now we're going to go to the second part of the verse, because the one thing for guys is guys love your wives. Interesting. Somebody could say, well, I know what it's going to say. It's going to say, wives, love your husbands. That's really cool. It looks like, looks like a Valentine card. No. It says, wives must respect their husbands. Now, for a long time, I struggled with this. I've been teaching on this verse for probably 30 plus years. I struggle with this. Is God saying that guys don't need love? And is he saying that women don't need respect? Because if you look at that, if you look at that and you just say, well, God, one, down to one thing, you know, guys love your wives, wives respect your husbands. And maybe then guys don't need love and women don't need respect. And, and I know that if, since I'm talking to women today, you could recoil back from that and you could say, well, wait a minute, Mark, I, I do need respect. It's, it's as simple as this. Remember God made us. When he, when he was manufacturing at the very beginning, he made us. He made us body. He made us psyche. God made us the way he wanted to make us. And here's what he did when he made us. He made women with a marvelous capacity to love. For women, love and compassion. And by the way, I know that I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here, and, and we could all come up with, with situations that are exceptions. But I'm going to stay on the main highways today. It, it could be that, that, that somebody could say, well, well Mark... What does that mean? You know, women need to respect, but love comes naturally. I believe that love is the emotional currency that women deal with. I've I've talked to so many couples, and a lot of times one-on-one when they were having issues, and a wife would say to me, I love my husband with all my heart, but I want to kill him. I love him. And, And I believe both things after I heard her talk for a while. I believe she equally loved him and equally wanted to kill him. And then I'll talk to guys, and, I, and, and, and here's the deal. I'd say, well, you're having difficulty in your marriage. Tell me about your wife. And instantly what guys will do, guys will start telling me how wonderful the things that she does are. Well, my wife, you know, she's just this awesome mother, and she takes care of the whole family, and she manages the checkbook, and she just keeps everything, keeps all the balls in the air, keeps all the trains running on time. 
Do you hear a woman's natural emotional currency is love and a man's natural emotional currency is respect? It is natural for me to respect my wife. God doesn't have to tell me to respect Mary Alice. It just comes out of me because I deal in respect. But sometimes compassion and love, that's a struggle for me. And by the same token, ladies, respect can be a challenge for you. And that's why God says, guys, you must love your wives. Wives, you must. And God's not suggesting it here. Notice the text. Wives must respect their husbands. There's another verse in the book of Proverbs that I want to give to you before we get into the talk, and this is in chapter 14, verse 1. Oftentimes when the Bible talks about somebody building a house, it's about a man building a house. Jesus told a story about two men, one man built on the sand, one man built on the rock. You may remember the story that he told. And we usually hear about men building houses. It's so interesting because in, in Proverbs chapter 14, the Bible's talking about a woman building. Listen to this. A wise woman builds her home. But a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Now, here, when the Bible talks about home, I think what he's talking, what the Bible's talking about is is the family relationship. A wise woman will know how to build her home. A foolish woman will act in ways that don't even serve her own interests. My dad, when many years ago, when I was growing up in church, my dad gave a marvelous illustration. Very simple, but it's been helpful to me through the years. Dad, Dad would always talk about relationships, and he would say, you know, if you've got two people in a boat, in a rowboat, in the middle of the lake, don't try to punish the other person by knocking a hole in the boat, because you'll both go down. And I, I think that's exactly what Proverbs is saying right here. You know, in our culture today, and actually this goes back probably 60, 70 years, there's a term that got into our vocabulary, and, and, he, and here's the worst part about it. Here's the poisonous aspect of it. We got to the place where we accepted it as normal. We accepted it as reasonable. And that term, and it may, be, it may be antique for some of you who are younger, but that term is called the battle of the sexes. And, it, and it's the idea that if, you know, husbands and wives just battle with each other. It became the grist for television shows, the battle of the sexes. Let me just say this to you. And if you're in a significant relationship, if you're in a marriage, if you've got the battle of the sexes, that's failure. That's failure. It should never be accepted. That's one of the things I want to get across to you. I want you to ramp up your expectations because there's no reason for your relationship to be just like everybody else's if indeed everybody else's relationship around you is cratering. You can have a forever kind of love, and God has got a marvelous plan for it. Well, our, our talk is coming from a book in the Bible called Song of Solomon. And Song of Solomon is exactly what it suggests. It's a song. And a guy's written a song about love. And it's a very graphic song, as I warned you last week. Some of it's just, you know, some of it's pretty edgy. And it's, a, it's to me, if, and this is, like I said, one of my favorite genres of music is R&B. If Song of Solomon was a song set to music, I think it would be an R&B song. Because you've got a couple of people that are singing, let's get it on. I just, I love this, this great book. And um, 
It's about a married couple, and they're totally in love with each other, and we're going to learn an awful lot. And so today, I just want to take you through several scriptures where the woman pretty much is doing the singing. And from her, we're going to learn a whole lot about respect. So I want to start, and ladies, if you're taking notes, and you may not need a whole lot of notepad, but today, this, this, this next verse, these next scriptures, I think, lend themselves to some really important messages that you might want to write down. I want to read to you from, this is in chapter 1, verse 2, the song is just getting started, and the woman is singing, and here's what she's saying. Kiss me, full on the mouth. Yes, for your love is better than wine. Well, frankly, here's the message. She is saying, I want your love. I want your love. I want it. I don't, this, this cuts both ways in both, both genders, men and women. But oftentimes in courtship, it kind of goes like this. Guys and gals are trying to win each other. And so during courtship or during dating or whatever you want to call it, there is the message, I want your love. And then often after marriage, there is a sense of, okay, we've gotten across the goal line. We've gotten across the finish line here. And now we're just functioning partners, paying the bills and taking care of the kids. I love what this woman is saying. Kiss, I mean, man, she is inviting it. Kiss me full on the mouth. Yes, for your love is better than wine. Number one, that, this, is a, this is a statement of respect. I want your love. Let's, let's go on. Take me away with you. Let's run off together in elopement with my king lover. We'll celebrate. We'll sing. We'll make great music. The message here is, and this is a message of respect, and, and guys love this, and I, I got this again and again talking to the guys the other night. I want time with you. I want time with you. I need time with you. My wife is so good at this. Marianne will just tell me, Mark, can we just get away? In fact, as soon as the second service is over, we're getting in the car, we're going to Texas. And, and Marianne will just tell me, I love getting away with you. I just love getting away with you. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that builds my ego. I like that. I mean, what guy wants to hear, well, listen, I really just don't have time for you. Sorry, I'm so busy. You know, maybe um, we get on the calendar. Where's my blackberry? Six, six weeks out, maybe. That's, that's disrespect. And it, like I say, it cuts to both genders. Now, th- so that's the first message. From verse 1, or, or verse 2, rather, I want your love. Verse 4, I want time with you. And then look at what she says. Yes, for your love is better than vintage wine. Everybody loves you, of course. And why not? Man, she is saying to him, you rock. You're so great. I love you. Of course I love you. Everybody loves you. Now, was that true? Probably not. But that's the way she saw him. In talking to the guys the other night, or listening to them more than that, these were guys that came from just about every kind of career, career you can imagine. You know what they all said? In fact, I remember one guy said it, and everybody just started nodding, like just vehemently. One guy said this. He said, where I work, A lot of people around me that give me accolades, that give me praise. But he said, I never really know exactly what's in their mind, what they're thinking. And he said, beyond that, they don't know me. But he said, when my wife praises me, it means more to me than any praise I get at work. Because she knows everything about me. Powerful. Powerful. Well, let's move on to the next text. Because this, to me, is just respect set to set to words this is in chapter 2 verse 3 the woman is still singing she says as an apricot tree stands out in the forest my lover stands above the young men in town all i want to do is set in his shade 
This is really kind of an interesting talk to me or interesting language to me because, as I said a few moments ago, we're accustomed to the battle of the sexes. And I don't, for the life of me, I can't figure out why this happens so frequently in marriages. But it seems to me that what happens a lot of times is that people get married, and then after a while, it's almost as if there is an imaginary line drawn in between them. And it's like, you on your side, and I'm on my side. I'm going to see how many chips I can get on my side, and you see how many chips you can get on your side. And we are in competition with each other. And a lot of that has been driven by just cultural shifts. And, and what happens in the culture, and, and, and please, for all of you who are young, I'm, you're listening to an old guy. This happens politically, it happens culturally, it happens in just about every aspect of public life. There's a pendulum swing all the time. And with our culture, the pendulum will swing too far in one direction, and then it'll swing too far in the other direction. And certainly, if you go back a hundred years ago, women were denigrated, they were treated badly, and and they were you know they it was they were just second class citizens. So the pendulum swung too far in that direction. But then with the '60s, all of a sudden we almost got into an anti male concept, and the pendulum swung back too far the other direction. And now the culture teaches women that look, here's the deal: you really don't need a man. But if you're going to have some, if you're going to have a guy in the house, then he should do this, he should do that, and and if he if he does everything that makes you happy, then you keep him. If not, then get rid of him. That's a fact, you know. My wife was telling me this. We were walking yesterday. She knows so much more about this than I. I pleaded with her to give the talk, but she said no. She would be in discovery this morning. I think she was just an excuse. But in any event, she was telling me about years ago before we came to New Spring. Um, Back in the 80s, early 80s, she was working for an oil company in Fort Worth. And she said there was a group of women in, in, in her area. And she said mostly what they did was they talked about their husbands and how their husbands were inadequate and failing and all of that. By the way, ladies, I, this is not mine. There's a great book out there by Emerson Egrich called Love and Respect. And I've been teaching on love and respect for years. But when I found this book two or three years ago, I thought, this is great. Every couple ought to read that book. He's a a psychologist, and he's talking about these two things. And and men were polled. Many men were polled and asked the question, would you rather be alone and unloved or considered inadequate and disrespected? That was the question. Would you rather feel alone and unloved or inadequate and disrespected? 74% of men said they would rather be alone and unloved than feel inadequate and disrespected. That's just how men are tuned. Also in that same poll, the question was asked, when you're in a conflict with your wife, a heated conflict with your wife, do you feel that she doesn't love you or she doesn't respect you? 84% of men said they felt their wives did not respect them. They didn't feel unloved, they just felt disrespected. Wow. But we live in an age today where women have been encouraged to be competitive with their husbands. And, and this, is, this woman is just saying, look, I don't want to fight with you. I don't want to feel competitive with you. I mean, I want to be with you. I just, want to, I just want to be, you know, where you are. And I think that's what, what, that's what men want to hear so much. And now I want to do something. I want to just go to a list because I had asked the guys the question. This, this is not my stuff. This is what the guys told me. This is what husbands share with me. I asked them, uh, what makes you feel respected? What makes you feel disrespected? And I went through these so fast. Ladies told me last night I didn't give enough time. So I'll try to slow down just a little bit, okay? Here's number one. Guys said, what makes them feel respected? Appreciation. Appreciation. Number two, this one surprised me, tone of voice. Number three, praise. 
Now, like I said, I wish both, I wish both genders could have watched, the, watched the, the, the sessions that we had together. And it's interesting because oftentimes men are over here and women are over here, but there, was, there were a few points, and specifically one point that I remember where, where all of a sudden it came together and men and women both told me that one thing was very important to them. And that was to hear that your partner has praised you in your absence. Because see, here's the deal. And this works with evidently both guys and gals. When you hear that your wife or your husband has gone someplace and dissed you to her family or to his friends and ripped you, it just strips you down to bare metal. And Guy said, you know, it makes, in fact, every guy in the room, you know, nodding like this, every guy said, it makes me feel 10 feet tall when I hear that my wife has praised me to other people. Number five, physical touch. Just the touch. Just going into a, a building or going into a room and just to feel a wife's touch on a guy's back or to touch his hand. Physical, you, you, gals, did you know guys talk like this? Blew my mind. I just couldn't believe it. Phenomenal. Now, uh, the next one, I, I can be myself. Guy said, when I, when I feel like I can be myself and I don't have to walk on eggshells, I feel respected. And then there was a statement that all the guys agreed on. Honey, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. And the final one was when a woman goes out of her way. Guy said, that makes us feel appreciated. That makes us feel respected, rather. So then I asked him, well, what makes you feel disrespected? Number one, right out of the box, not needed. To feel that I'm not needed. The next one, to be talked down to. Third one, to be attacked and her not defend me. Number four, the feeling that I can't please no matter what I try to do. And then, dishonesty. Dishonesty. Because oftentimes what happens, and, and I, I, think it's, I think it's pretty innocent, but a lot of times it's just easy to say, well, I'm not sure I'm going to like the way he's going to respond to this, so I just won't tell him the whole truth. You know, I really don't want him to know exactly how much money we spent last month, so I'm just going to, like, cut it in half and, and find some way to pull it out of another budget next month. And then he opens the statements. And you say, well, it's totally innocuous. But here's the deal. Any kind of dishonesty raises the question, is there more dishonesty? Wow. It's getting awfully quiet in here. I love this next one. You know what I love about the Bible? And this is what has guided my speaking. You know, a lot of times people say, well, Mark, man, you just make the Bible come alive. No, I'm just telling it like it is. The Bible is already alive. It is a phenomenal book. And this song, this R&B song was written 3,000, count them, 3,000 years ago. And this next one, I bet, is, I'm just going to read it to you because that's, that's what I need to do here, okay? The woman is singing here, and she said, I was sound asleep, but in my dreams I was wide awake. Oh, listen, it's the sound of my lover knocking, calling. Well, let, let me just bring this a little bit to, to modern life. Here's a guy that wants to get together with his wife. He wants to spend time with his wife. And so basically he's saying, hey... Let's get it on. And he's knocking on the door. 
Let me in. My dove, my consummate lover. And, and here's, here's how guys talk. Isn't it? When, I'm soaked with the dampness of the night, drenched with dew, shivering and cold. Man, I, I want to come in. I'm cold. It's cold out here. The woman. But I'm in my nightgown. Do you expect me to get dressed? I'm bathing in bed. Do you want me to get dirty? Now, what's happened here? Here's a guy that wants to spend some time. Let's be honest. He wants to have sex with his wife. And she's saying, it's not convenient. (laughs) Now, I I know there are exceptions. I know there are situations and all that kind of thing. Let's just keep it on the main highway, though. Here's a guy guy that's just saying, you know, hey, you know, mm -hmm, that's a little tap on the shoulder and that kind of thing. And she's saying, this is not a good time, really. It's not convenient. Now, notice she doesn't say she has a headache. She doesn't say she's ill. It's just like I'm in bed already, and the floor is cold. And if I get up and let you in, I'll get my feet dirty. I don't think this is a good night. Still quiet in here. Why is this so quiet in here tonight, today? Verse 4, but my lover wouldn't take no for an answer. And the longer he knocked, the more excited I became. And I got, I got up to open the door to my lover sweetly to receive him, desiring and expectant. As I turned the door handle, but when I opened the door, he was gone. My loved one had tired of waiting, and he left. And I died inside. Oh, I felt so bad. I ran out looking for him, but he was nowhere to be found. I called into the darkness. But no answer. Now, I think probably every couple who's been married for any length of time can testify the difficulty of getting on the same page when it comes to sex. That is just one of the toughest challenges there is. Like foreigners saying, love isn't always on time, you know? It, it's not easy for anybody, granted. And in many situations, I'm not saying in every situation, but I'm just saying in many situations, probably the majority of situations, it is more likely for the man to want sex more often than the woman. Not always, but very often. And I've, I, I've said this before, and there's just no way I can say this strong enough. Men do not understand a woman's need for intimacy and closeness, and women do not understand most of the time a man's need for sex. Because both are usually a doorway to the other, in each situation. And here is a guy that's just saying, wow, I want to, I want to get with my wife. I want to be with her. And, I, and he's trying to make overtures to her. And she's saying, you know what? It's not convenient. It's not convenient. It's just not good. And he's, not, you know, he's just like continuing. And, and in, the, can, in that process, she's starting to get interested. Wow, this is kind of unusual. This is sort of romantic. I like this. But she's just still kind of like, you know, chilling there in bed for a while. And after a while, she's thinking, well, I guess maybe, maybe it's not a bad thing. So she gets out of bed. But by the time she gets to the door, she opens it and he's gone. And she feels sick on the inside because the import of what she's just done hits her. There's a line here that when I read this book, and I've read it and reread it, there's a line here that just really grabs me. Look at this, the last line. I called into the darkness but no answer. As I said, women and men are just tuned to different keys. If a man and a woman are having problems in a relationship, a woman will send up all kinds of warning flags. I mean, she'll ring all the bells. She'll say to him, we need to go to counseling. She'll put a book out there for him to read. She'll, you know, call me and say, is there any way you can see my husband? 
you know, and, 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 and the woman will just tell the guy, we got problems, we got issues, we need to work on this, we need to go see a counselor, we need to do something, we need to get away for a romantic weekend, we need to do something, we have a problem. And the guy's oblivious, the guy's are saying, no, we don't have any problems. Everybody deals with this stuff. That's how women are. They will send up warning flags if there's an issue. Not guys. And ladies, what you see in the story is exactly how men are. They will be persistent and persistent, but all of a sudden, without warning, if they're told you're not important and you're not convenient long enough, a guy will just close down. It may not be physical, but he'll go away. And you say, well, I call out to him, but you'll call into the darkness, and there won't be any answer because he's gone. One more and I'm finished. Thankfully, that was just a one-night problem. <laughs> Here, here's respect. I, I want to just read this text to you. This is great. She said, verse 10, chapter 5, My dear lover glows with health, red-blooded, radiant. He's one in a million. There's no one quite like him. My golden one, pure and untarnished with black raven curls tumbling across his shoulders. Sounds like a guy in front of a romance novel, right? No, right? Um, his eyes are like, notice she's talking about the soft side of him. His eyes are like doves, soft and bright, but deep set, brimming with meaning like wells of water. But notice this, his face is rugged, his beard smells like sage, his voice, his words warm and reassuring, fine muscles ripple beneath, beneath his skin, quiet and beautiful. His torso is the work of a sculptor, hard and smooth as ivory. And some of the women are out there saying, wow, Mark, that would take an immense amount of imagination to get to that point. <laughs> Look at this next line. He stands tall like a cedar. Do you know why he stood tall like a cedar? Because she didn't cut him down. If you always cut your man down, He won't stand tall like a cedar. When the guys were talking to me this last week, it was amazing. We got into one topic, and it just started almost a a torrent of conversation. Guys feel like that the message of this culture is that men should be denigrated. The guy said, watch the commercials. In the commercials, if it's a man-woman relationship, the guy is stupid. And the woman has to take him by the hand and lead him along. And one guy said this. He said, if the roles were reversed, it wouldn't pass the corporate censors because it would be obvious, blatant, inexcusable sexism. And yet, we accept it. They, they talk to me about shows on television. And it isn't just man and woman relationship. Often it's father and kids. It's just like, you know, they, they mention Everybody Loves Raymond, which I know is in syndication now, and King of Queens and all this, where the guy's just a doofus and everybody just has to, like, take care of him and put up with him. And, 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 and you know, male foibles are caricatured in that situation. And, and I just want to say to us, we have to be so careful that we don't 
pick up on that. And because it's such an entertainment component that after a while, we just sort of accept it and pick up the jargon and pick up the vernacular and pick up the language of that. She said, in my man, my man stands like a cedar. Well, let me, let me finish this out. The last part of verse 16, she said, that's my lover. That's my man. Women, I don't know that I can say any better than that. Isn't that pretty good? That's my lover. That's my man. Let me tell you something. If your guy hears you say that with love, that's my lover. That's my man. He will charge hell with a squirt gun for you. (laughs) I know that firsthand. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and for what we've learned. I pray for every man, every woman in this building. And Lord, I I really it's really been a joy to to look out and even see some some teens and even preteens here. God, they could just get on the ground floor of this and they could just have revolutionary lives and relationships. And Father, I pray for those who are going through a tough time. It's not easy to hear this message because the message finds them in a, in a dark spot. Just please encourage their hearts and don't let them feel guilt, I pray. But Father, just let them feel the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Focus them on the future and not the past. And Lord, for those who are just getting started in their relationships, and maybe things are starting to go a little bit wrong, help them just make course corrections this morning with your power and with your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's pray one more time. You know, I know I've been talking about men and women relationships, but the Bible tells us that a man-woman relationship is a picture of God's relationship with us. And even though we're not talking necessarily about gender here, but God is like the king, and, and he draws us, and we are his bride, the Bible says. God loved us before we loved ourselves, before, even before we even knew ourselves, God loved us. And he made a way for us to have eternity in heaven Scripture tells us that the things that we do wrong separate us from God, take away our opportunity to go to heaven. Heaven is not a place for sinners. But the Bible tells us God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to get rid of our sin. The way God looked at it when Jesus died on the cross, all our sin was placed on him. And he paid for it. And all that's required from us is just to receive him just by faith to invite him into our lives and say, Lord, I believe you died to pay for my sins. I'm asking you to come into my life. I know it sounds small, but that's all God asks for us. In fact, in Romans 10, verse 13, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's why every weekend, just about, I give you a chance, if you've never invited Jesus into your life, to make him your your Lord and your King. I'm going to pray a prayer. You may not understand everything about this prayer, but if it's in your heart to do this, and if you want to do it, the Lord will hear your prayer. I'm going to pray it slowly so that you can think about each line, but if you mean this from your heart, you can just repeat this prayer with me. Here we go. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you died to pay for my sin. And I believe you arose from the grave to prove that you're God. I ask you to forgive me and make me God's child. In Jesus' name, amen. You may not understand everything about that prayer and what just happened to you, so I've done something to, to help. When you came in today, you got a worship folder, and part of it's detachable. 
If you just prayed with me to receive Christ, I have a gift I want to give you. It's a vinyl pack. It's got some DVDs and great stuff to help you when your first steps in following Jesus. It'll also help you understand what you just did, your prayer. If you put your name and address on here and just check the box beside the little facsimile of the packet, just check the box and say, I prayed to receive Christ. You can drop this in the offering bags in a moment, or you can drop it in the boxes at the back. I'll mail it to you this week. Or if you want to wait and you have just a few extra minutes, I'm going to point right behind the TV cameras there, the, the exit there. There are two zones called guest services and New Spring Store. If you'll just bring this back there, you can just hand it to them and say, I pray with Mark. They won't trouble you. They won't ask you any hard questions or anything. That's all you got to say. Just, I pray with Mark. Give them this. They'll give you the bag, uh, the packet, and you can take it home with you today. 